Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Kennan, and welcome to Crosswalk. We're so glad that you're here this morning. If you're joining us online, I'd also like to welcome you and tell you how glad we are that you have tuned in for our brand new series kickoff. We're in a new series called Get Rich Quick. Yeah, you heard me right. Get Rich Quick. Now, that doesn't normally resonate too well from the world, right? Because we kind of think of get-rich-quick schemes as how the world usually interprets that line. I think of Ponzi schemes and things like that. But in Christianity, we actually can stand on the promise of God and get rich quick. And today, we're going to talk about how we get rich quick by learning by learning okay who wants to learn to grow today all right perfect for those 15 of you that didn't raise your hands i'm sorry grab some coffee now when i think about the times that i've grown most as a human being when i've grown most as a member of my family or as a student or as a uh, person, as an employee here on the staff of the church, or when I think about the times that I've grown the most in my marriage as a partner, or, or as a father, and hopefully one day even as a grandfather, that growth has always come with some learning, with some learning. And I want to lift up two types of learning to you this morning. The first type of learning that I want to lift up is going to be the type of learning that comes, and I'm going to call this street smarts. You know what I'm talking about? Street smarts, that streety kind of learning, that kind of learning where it is a, um, it's, it's a life's lessons learned. Anybody ever learned life's lessons? Oh, there's a few of you. The rest of you are lying. And then there's another kind of learning that's something more intentional. Now, uh, we're going to hear uh, in this Bible of ours that there are both kinds of learning. So I'm not telling you that, that there is uh, just one good way. I'm telling you there's both ways of learning. My children right now, who you saw up here, he was the one on the end completely distracted with his arms over his head. He's learning a lot of lessons right now. <laughs> on the first kind of learning, the street smart kind of learning. We say something to him like, don't run. And for whatever reason, his filter hears it. Uh, you want to deny me the joy of running. <laughs> right, Rachel? And that is not the point. The point is, is that we're completely fine with his joy of learning. But as his parent, there is some danger, Will Robinson. We do not want you to run because we do not want you to get hurt. Right? And so he's learning that way. And kids, God's kids, here amongst us, us, are also kind of that way too. Sometimes we look at this teaching in the Bible and we think, oh my, God just wants to deny us some kind of joy, right? But that is actually not what is happening. God actually sees us and knows us, created us, wired us, and knows what's good for us. And so God wants us to also learn sometimes in a different way. Sometimes we kind of endanger ourselves. Now, I want to lift up a couple of examples that I think you might remember from the Bible if you've read the Bible before. There's this thing called the wilderness wandering, right? 
This is the Israelites, and when they flee Egypt out of captivity in the exile, what happens when they go to try to make their way to God's promised land? They end up stuck and wandering around the wilderness. Now, I've been to the Holy Land, and I've seen the proximity of these places. I could make that trip in about a week, even with like a sick camel. Like, I could still make it there. But they did not make it there that fast. In fact, they wander around for 40 years trying to get to what God has for them because they have decided that they are going to learn life's lessons by that street smart, live and learn kind of model, right? And so they, uh, and they spend an entire generation of, of uh, people, too, on this endeavor, there was also another guy in the Bible that I want to lift up to you. He was also in the Old Testament. Anybody here, if you raise your hand if you have. Anybody know Naaman the leper? Can you raise your hand? Yes. What happened with Naaman? God tries to heal Naaman, right, by telling him to dip into the Jordan River how many times? Seven, right? And so what does Naaman have to learn? Well, Naaman dips in the water two, three, four times, and he's still not healed of his leprosy. So through the same trial and error, Naaman has to learn that when God says seven, six won't do. Right? When God says seven, six won't do. So Naaman learns something very important about God's lessons and about God's words and the way that we learn. Now, let me tell you about another type of learning. This is an intentional type of learning. This one is where you have an opportunity to learn something, and so you engage it with some intentionality. And so you go to an environment that's been set for you usually, that's very conducive to learning, and you learn something together. And Jesus models this in, in his own ministry Jesus puts disciples at his feet, and he teaches them the word of God. And subsequently, those same disciples do the same thing. They put their congregations in front of them, and they teach them the word of God. It's all very intentional, and we're still doing that today in the church. I'll call this the disciple-teacher kind of learning. And later, John Wesley uh, the Methodist founder uh, of Methodism, he also would do this, except he called his groups societies. Now, let me tell you something interesting about these societies, because I think this is very important. John Wesley had these societies, and, and, and friends, here's what he did. Like, if you were having problems staying true to a life committed to the promises of God, or if you had trouble amongst another one of you, do you know what would happen in John Wesley's societies? You didn't get a ticket to communion. You couldn't partake of the elements of communion. Shocking. Now I wonder what that would look like played out today in our church. So these societies would soon kind of evolve into what also Methodism created, which was Sunday school. 
Now, one of the things I'm super passionate about is groups like that. I love Sunday schools. We have other kinds of groups. For those of you visiting or you're new here, we also have this other, you know, every church has some language. We have uh, life groups, right? Life groups is kind of like Sunday school. It just happens on another day of the week, right? Or you also have things here called small groups, and that's where we very intentionally come together, and we usually learn something really specific. You've got some brochures. I want you to kind of be perusing that uh, at your will today. So on this, we have these great opportunities to learn. How many of you have taken part recently by show of hands in a small group? Very recent. Very cool. Okay, cool. So we have some folks. We even have some leaders of small groups. Thank you for that. How many of you are involved in the Sunday school class? Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, So let's talk about this. This is concentrated uh, learning. We also do that here in worship uh, as part of our hour of worship together. You, the faithful, the disciples, come and you show a desire to learn and to grow. And um, you're given this opportunity to grow in the word of God. An example in the New Testament of this type of disciple teacher learning is found in Acts 2. And that's where we're going to read from today. Uh, We're going to be looking at Acts 2. I'm going to start in verse 38, and I'm going to read to you from the message of this. Now, Luke, who is the author of Acts, he's recalling a sermon that Peter is giving. Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. He's giving to a large crowd that's gathered. And listen to what happens. Peter said, change your life. What did Peter say? Change your life. Change your life, right? Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to those who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. That's really important. Our Master God invites Now, we've already gotten to what satisfies this early church. And here's what it is. Their lives were changed. Their lives were changed. They received forgiveness. Who in here likes to receive forgiveness? Oh, gosh, 40 of you. Great. That's a good start. Who in here likes to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Wonderful. Wow, y'all like gifts way more than you like forgiveness. That's okay. But this is a pretty good deal, right? This is a pretty good deal. He went on in this vein for a long time. And what's interesting is he urges them over and over and over again to get out of this sick and stupid culture. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that Peter describes the conditions of his times are similar to how I might describe ours, particularly on the hills of this past week when a sick individual takes a stupid action and mows down a building full of Christians with a gun. It sounds like we still need to have some changing here in 2017. Amen? Now watch, that day about 3,000 took him at his word. 
And they were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles and life together. Hey, there's those two ways of learning right there. The common meal and prayers. Those two types of learning right there. And 3,000 of them signed up and committed and started contributing to that early church. Look in 43. Everyone was in awe. Now, do you think that they were in awe of what Peter did? Maybe. But I think what they were really in awe of is what God did. God did through Peter and through the church. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers. How many believers? How many believers? Friends, meet the original loving allers. All of them. All of them lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They held so much in common, in fact. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's needs were met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their numbers grew as God added to those who were saved. These people loved each other. They really, really loved each other. They loved each other so much that if any of them had a need, they sold their own stuff and they met that need. Wow, would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Father, and to learn at your feet. Thank you, God, that you would have us be here, that you would invite us God, here to learn from your holy word. Lord, by the power of your spirit, pour it out upon us that we might discern and know your truth for us. God, we love you and we love your word. Thank you for Jesus who you sent to be here amongst us and to live with us and to teach us about life and about you. Help us to sit at your feet Help us to have changed lives. Transform our hearts so that we may leave here rich in growth because you keep your promises. Help us to learn the lessons. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I really want to challenge you today to really, really think about a critical question. One question that I really want you to center your mind on today, and it's this. Are you just going to the church or are you growing in the church? Are you just going to the church or are you growing in the church? There's a big difference, you know, a big difference. For many people, just the act of getting here seems to be like the thing, right? I have two little kids, y'all. They're four and they're six. They're 16 months apart. It's hard to get kids here, amen? It's hard to get kids here. 
Sometimes we're too tired to wash their stinky little kid selves on Saturday night, so we have to do it on Sunday morning. Or just kind of spit bathe them and then get them here anyway. <laughs> it happens, sorry. To feed them, to get them all their needs, and to get here, sometimes that feels like the thing. And then what about some of us older folks? Well, it's kind of the same thing with the kids, but it ain't because you have kids. It's because you're getting old and you're slower. Now, that's just being honest. And the older I get, the more I realize it. What on earth were we doing having our kids at 40, my Lord? Uh, guys, you can't say anything. You set the bar so low, the fact that you even come here is a good thing, right? I mean, but like for you ladies, you sit here and snicker and giggle, but you guys disappear for like an hour in the bathroom, right? And I hear a bunch of contraptions, some clinking going on and some dryers and different things happening and going. I hear electric stuff on and off and spray and mist, all that stuff. Rachel comes out and she looks like a million dollars. But it takes five minutes for the fan to blow all the mist out. And I'm like, holy moly, I'll never smell or look that good. <laughs> right? And those of you with special hairdos, oh, look over there, purple. Listen, don't others of you laugh. Some of you dying at blonde and brunette, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But all of this just to get here, right? Just to get here, just to get to the church. So when you get here, you want it to be good, right? You want it to be good. You walk into this place, and you have an expectation, yes? Unfortunately, too many of your expectations are about what other people are doing. I've heard it all. I really have heard it all. Oh. I got ready, I got all the way to the church, and they didn't even sing the song that I wanted them to sing. Oh, it's true. Or, oh, I got ready and did all of that work, and the person he preached didn't preach the thing I wanted to hear, and they didn't preach it the way I wanted to hear it. Another letdown, right? That happens. That happens. And so we think that it's our responsibility criticize right but one of my mentors one of my leadership mentors who Kay introduced me to is Carrie Newhoff anybody know him this guy is a leadership mentor in Christianity and he has a real voice a really clear concise voice and he says it like this no it's not your job to criticize instead he would argue it's actually your job to contribute hmm now, I've had people tell me how much they miss certain things, right? It happens. How, how much they miss certain music the way it was, or how much they miss certain preaching the way it used to be. I've heard people say those kinds of things. We pastors hear it all. But I'll tell you what that really means. It's been good for a long time. God has blessed this church and this place for a long time. 
God has provided you with preachers and worship leaders and good music and good things for a long time. Amen? That's what we should be thankful for. That it's been good. And so is the new thing that God's doing. But let me tell you about this. Carrie says, it's actually not your job to criticize. It's your job to contribute. So my question again is are you just going to the church or are you growing in the church? Peter's congregation has something to teach us about this, about becoming rich in growth through learning. His challenge to them was change your life. Too often, our sick and stupid culture challenges us in ministry to do it this way or to do it that way or I'm going to change churches right that's what we hear this is a sure sign of someone who is just going to the church these are the same people who will say things like I'm not being fed or I feel like I can't connect They are the people that believe that they are here to provide critique and feedback, but offer no real practical help. They stand around and observe. Their armchair quarterbacking is on hyperdrive. But their contribution toward real change is always on someone else's shoulders. That's not what Peter says. Mm Mm-mm. Peter says, change your life. Does Peter say, change your church? Mm -mm. Does Peter say, change your band? Does Peter say, change your worship leader? Does Peter say, change your pastor, your song set list? What does Peter say? Change your life. Change your life. Now, who needs a little forgiveness? Don't you lie. (laughs) I do. I do. I do. I need some forgiveness. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) There are a bunch more of you in here too. And out there in live stream land that need it. We all need it, friends. Now, who could benefit from some gifts of the Spirit this morning? Boy, I know I could. I need to pray and ask for some gentleness because I'm not feeling gentle. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers and insights, discernment of the spirit. But you have to do more than just come to the church. You have to grow in the church. Some of us come to church acting like we already know it all. And like the Spirit has nothing to teach us and God has nothing left to offer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Who here rejects the promises of God for themselves and their children? Well, nobody in their right mind, right? But don't act like we haven't been doing it. We have all rejected God's promises. God says we all fall short of the glory of God, and yet some of us act like we are the glory of God. We should do this or that, right? 
maybe that would cause you to feel better. You want to feel fed and connected? Then grow and learn instead of gripe and burn. Amen? Is that okay to say? Newhoff says you're not here to criticize. You're here to contribute. Go contribute to your learning and growth and watch your heart get set on fire for God. Amen? Now listen. You know who taught me something this week? I'm not the hero of my story. In fact, I fall, fall short. I fall so short. But you know the hero of my story this week who really taught me something? My wife. My wife. Let me tell you about what she did. She put herself out there this week. We had a member who just had stage 3 cancer diagnosis and a double radical mastectomy. Somebody from our congregation, a couple, a beautiful couple, posted a thing to our Crosswalk Facebook page, a meal train offering an opportunity, an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. Offered 14 days of meals, two weeks, and they weren't getting filled up. And if you couldn't do a meal, you could contribute a little cash and maybe that would get them a gift card or something. So... You know what she did? We had 80 bucks. And she went and gave 40 of it without asking me. And then she texted me the picture and said, here's the 40 bucks left in our account. Now, you could have been vulnerable. You could have been prideful. You could have been like, oh, my God, we have $80 in our checking account. But you gave it anyway. She contributed. Now, guess who changed? My life was changed by that, you know. My life was, and so was the life of the person whose need was met. Now my question is, why out of this church do we not have every date filled? Why is there any need amongst us? I look at Facebook, I check in at the places I go to, and I see you do the same thing. Listen up. We've got some changing to do. I want my life to be changed. How about you? Amen. Thank you for teaching me this week. That person quite literally needed to be fed. That's the need that we all needed to meet. That's the need that we all needed to meet. You want to come to this church? Or do you want to grow in this church? I want to grow. You taught me a lesson. Thank you. You want to sit and you want to talk about how you don't understand why this room isn't full? 